Hello and welcome back to the Pre-Game Beer Podcast, the only podcast to keep you buzzing well into the fourth quarter. My name is Todd Serban. I am once again joined by Curran Quinlan. Curran, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Todd. We've got a loaded show tonight for sure. Um, busy, busy week since the last time we dropped a pod. Also, first time we're dropping a pod in person together. So hopefully they're, uh, hopefully that's going to go great. Probably won't, though, if I know anything about us. But yeah, busy week. We've had a lot of pop culture news, tons and tons of NFL news, uh, and a little bit of uh, MLB news. But honestly, I don't think there's anything more entertaining than the soap opera going down in the great city of Pittsburgh right now with the Steelers and Antonio Brown. Um, so it, yeah, breaking news for you all. Now, we are recording this on Saturday night, but as of now, Antonio Brown is still a Steeler. No matter what he's gonna tell you, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that was that has been incredible the last couple of nights. Uh, so we... he's gone from a Buffalo Bill, uh, sure thing Buffalo Bill. Um, at one point yesterday it was like a sure thing Oakland Raider, and then today Saturday it's been eerily quiet. So who knows what's going on with that? But that has been absolutely incredible theater, uh, especially in the Twitter sphere to watch the Antonio Brown saga breakdown so my favorite part of it the last few days is that we got some ian rapaport versus adam scheffner drama yeah no surprise there scheffner's i mean you've said it yourself scheffner's been hit or miss lately and it it continues with this crazy sequence of him going after rapaport and it's just been it's been weird it's been a weird reporting cycle for the nfl so rapaport reported that brown was headed to buffalo rather soon uh, Buffalo came out and said that that wasn't happening. Uh, everything I've seen says that Antonio Brown told the the Bills that he just wasn't gonna play for the Bills, which is a wild move because you've already put your you've put your team in a tight spot as it is, telling them like you gotta trade me. I'm not like it's, this isn't work anymore. I want to be traded. Supposedly they find a trade partner in Buffalo, and he straight up tells the Bills like I'm not I'm not showing up. I'm not playing for you guys. So what you've done is you're forcing a team to play uh, to to trade you. You're not exactly the easiest asset to dispose of and still get a fair return as far as value goes. And you, the team goes out and finds finds a team that's willing to willing to work with you and willing to make a fair deal. And then you tell you just tell them like that's not going to work for you. So I it seems a bit ridiculous, honestly, the the type of approach Antonio Brown's taken to this, but. So, if you're Antonio Brown, the thing you have to know, if you demand a trade, there need to be 31 franchises you're willing to play for over the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point. Correct. And if there aren't, you're going to be shit out of luck, man. Yeah, typically the only time you're going to get like a lot of uh, freeway on choosing like what team you want to go to if you're demanding a trade is if you have a ton of goodwill stored up within the organization. And judging by your tweets and your activity, Mr. Brown, I would say that you're lacking that goodwill that would typically earn you that right of choosing the organization you want to get traded to. So um, a bold move on your part saying that uh, you know certain teams aren't good enough for you and you're not going to play for them. And also be careful what you wish for because you're about, you were about to get traded to a Buffalo team supposedly that really didn't they weren't all that bad last year. Granted, they're rebuilding, but I'd say that, that Coach McDermott got quite a bit out of that roster, and I'd say that they're on the uptick. 
Because guess who's coming in coming in hot for you now as far as we can tell is Oakland. And if you really want to go to that shit show over Buffalo, I think you might want to get your priorities checked. But uh, Antonio Brown's he's making headlines at least, and he's giving us something to talk about. So there's that. So I'm just kind of curious what sort of franchise Antonio Brown would be willing to play for. Because he wants guaranteed money on his contract, so he needs cap space. And he wants to be contending for a championship. So the only team that has both of those things seems like the Colts. Yeah. But doesn't Le'Veon fit better into the Colts right now? I mean, Le'Veon absolutely fits better for the Colts because right. the Colts already have a number one wide receiver in T.Y. Hilton. And they have a good passing game. I mean, like, granted, anyone can be helped with Antonio Brown. I mean, Antonio Brown, talent-wise, is going to help you. But the Colts would be way better off if they're going to add an offensive piece. Take the other guy from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Take the ab- running back. Absolutely. Take a guy that's going to, like, open up the play action and really take that offense to the next level. It's good enough already. I think the offense is already probably good enough. you got to build the rest of that team up. So, speaking directly to you, Antonio, you don't get to narrate where you're getting traded to if you want to be traded. Because right now it looks like you're ending up back in Pittsburgh. You also don't get to narrate what your nickname is. And Mr. Big Chest is a terrible nickname. That doesn't flow at all. It's so, like the last thing I think of when I think of Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, you have not done a single smart thing ever. No. I'm going to need you to, to step your game up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, A.B. is, uh, he's doing, he's doing stuff. I'll give him that. He's doing things. Making, making Twitter fun again. Also maddening. You don't let me go to bed on a Thursday night thinking like, oh, A.B.'s a Buffalo Bill waking up Friday, and then all of NFL Twitter just acting like that didn't happen. It's like, fuck you. Like, I, I went to bed with expectations, goddammit. Speaking of maddening Twitter in the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens love to fuck with me. Yeah, I saw that. The, the Ravens tweeted out, stay tuned for a special press conference about re-signing a player on Thursday night at 11 a.m. the next day. Ooh. And I'm thinking, oh, good, they signed either Terrell Suggs or C.J. Mosley, maybe even Eric Weddle, who wasn't a Ram at the time. <clears throat> no. They signed third-string tight end Nick Boyle. But wait, did you see what that one coach for the Ravens said to Adam Schefter about Nick Boyle? Nick Boyle is the best-blocking tight end in the league, but he's a glorified tackle. He's not bringing you anything in the passing game. And he's really not worth his own press conference. Yeah, it was a funny move. Um, Got to admit, as a non-Ravens fan, I chuckled when I saw that that was the news. Um, anytime, uh, anytime my team signs a third-string tight end, I know that the, the the one thing I'm looking forward to is the press conference to let me know what that guy brings to my team. And, uh, yeah, I'm just happy. I'm, you know, I think that you Ravens fans need to take take you know take that to the bank and really appreciate it. Because that's a team that really they understand that it's a it's a full roster. It takes a full roster to win a championship, and they're willing to give their third string tight end a goddamn press conference to make sure he feels appreciated. I mean, the Ravens always appreciate the the less than glamorous roles. That's how they've always won football games. But when you're losing five starters on the defensive side of the ball. 
your best pass catcher. And you're glorifying re-signing your third string tight end. You're not going to have very many happy fans. Yeah, that's your problem. I don't know what to tell you. Because, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but it hasn't been announced yet by the New England Patriots, but while you guys are re-signing third-string tight ends, um, the New England Patriots are wheeling and dealing for uh, the Bennett brothers right now. I don't. Honestly, getting Michael Bennett is a downgrade from Trey Flowers. You're yes. just going to have more cap space to spend. Yes. So while everyone in New England's fucking planning their parade, I'm sitting over here like, how did you get better in all of this? We aren't better, but the point is is that we already have our backup plan in place, which is great. Because the last thing you wanted to do was lose Trey Flowers and then not really have someone other than Dietrich Wise to take his place. And uh, that's not going to be the case. Right now you're lining up with Bennett and Claiborne on each end. And that's a lot nicer than Claiborne and Wise or Claiborne and insert name here that they just drafted. Claiborne and Rivers who hasn't been able to stay on the field. So, I'm pro this move. Because, like, that doesn't mean that they're not going to re-sign Flowers. But it they're, sure does they're make... They're not going to re-sign Flowers. Hey, don't fucking shit on my dream yet, okay? But it sure does make losing him a hell of a lot more acceptable. So, I'm a, I'm pro that move. That's that was a, that's a good football move. I get people were talking about his off-the-field issues. And, like, yeah, like, the guy tends to do stupid shit. But as far as the football move goes, pro this move. Pro this move all the way. And then people are fucking creaming their pants because they think Martellus is coming back to the Pats. But what did he fucking do the first time he was here where you're like, oh, we need that guy back? He was pretty good. He, he was, was good. okay. He had he one good game where he had like three touchdowns. Yeah, he was good enough. Fucking quiet the, the rest of the is, season. The point is, is just like having a guy here that knows the system and can take some weight off of Gronk. I mean, I'd say last year they proved it more than anything. They didn't really use the tight ends all that much in the offense, other than if they were blocking. You know, they didn't really utilize the tight end until they got to the playoffs. So if you're going to go through the regular season, and you're going to take weight off the tight end by saying, look, you guys are more of a blocking option, you know, for the regular season, then by all means, bring bring Bennett in. And if you want to spread him out in the playoffs, you can spread him out in the playoffs. But there is there is nothing wrong with bringing a guy in that knows the system and if he's in shape and he can play, fuck it, who cares? Like, the biggest thing with offensive players in New England is bringing a guy in that's going to be able to read the playbook and then put that out on the field. That's where they have all their issues. You already know Bennett can do that, so in my book, he's already a step ahead of whoever the hell else they could bring in. And he'd probably be a lot cheaper, too, because he's coming out of retirement and he just wants to play with his brother. They've never done that before. So I'm just saying he. I don't think he's gonna be the, the go-to move that makes the Pats unbeatable anymore. Oh no, that's not what I'd be excited about. I'd be excited about the Patriots inevitably trading for OBJ, uh, and having Josh Gordon come back from suspension. Neither of which are gonna happen. I think Gordon might come back from suspension. You know what is probably gonna happen though. The Browns are gonna win the AFC North. Yes. So. For those of you who don't know, Cleveland traded guard, some confusing hard last name to say. That's definitely Eastern European. Keith Zeitler? Yeah, definitely from that part of the, that part of Europe. Uh, good guard, great guard, really. But they did have their backup drafted already. Uh, Toby 
Corbett. And they got edge rusher Olivier Vernon. And the first point I want to make, kind of an asshole move to be named Olivier and not Oliver. Fuck you. Because his name is spelled like Oliver, kids. We've been we've actually had this pop up in two straight podcasts where people have had weird fucking names. It's like why don't you just be the regular name? Just pronounce things like an American. Uh, the second point is they they now pair him with Miles Garrett, and they're looking loaded in their front seven right now. Yeah, I don't think it's any secret that the Browns made incredible strides last year, and that a lot of teams in that division took steps back. And so far this offseason, they are continuing to make personnel strides at least. While once again, teams in that division take a step back. Um, Pittsburgh's a raging dumpster fire of a locker room right now. And Baltimore is very quietly losing all of their key players on their top-ranked defense. So unless Lamar Jackson's going to single-handedly carry them to a division, the Brownies are looking like a division winner this year, and that's fucking wild. And I know what, what all two of you are saying, but what about Cincinnati. Nobody gives a fuck about Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Cincinnati's a shit show. So it's Cleveland's show right now. It's Cleveland. It it's feels Cleveland's like it's, division to lose. It feels I, like it's Cleveland's division. It's really on Baker. If Baker continues, if Baker plays as well as he did in his rookie year or gets better, it feels like that's the Browns' division. And I want, I want to talk to a lot of you here personally. Saying that Cleveland is winning the division is going to feel like a hot take that you can put out there and feel like a smart guy. It's not. It's going to be a very common take. They should be the Vegas favorites to win that division. I don't want to see anyone out there on Twitter saying like, Oh, bold prediction for the year. The Browns win the AFC North. That's not bold. There are going to be a billion people on that bandwagon right now. As of right now, it should just happen. It should just happen. There's no reason for it not to. There's, they are probably the best overall roster as of right now. And assuming the quarterback develops, there's no reason to think that that team's not going to win the division. Because there's no one, there's no one else even close, even close to them, uh, talent-wise, right now. Great, it's early in free agency, so we could be singing a completely different tune uh, a month from now. Maybe even after the draft, but that would have to be an incredible draft for either the Ravens or the Steelers for, for us to be doing that. So it looks like it looks like Cleveland is finally coming. Might it looks like Cleveland might just be back, maybe. But we're. I don't even think they're back. I don't think they ever were. What do you? Oh, you're just saying they sucked. Well, they were good when Belichick was there. They haven't. There's an an entire franchise disappearance since Belichick was in Cleveland. Yeah. So shout out Baltimore. Shouldn't have fired Belichick, but it's all right. Shout out you guys. Shout out incompetency. It's fine. We won a Super Bowl four years later. Sure. You know what else is incompetent? Baseball. Oh, I was going to say my penis. That too. All right. So. Talk to me about baseball. Okay. This is going to be quick. I'm not going to spend the entire time talking about Major League Baseball, but. Please do. Tell me about baseball. All right. Well, look. Here's the deal. Major League Baseball um, is suffering from a lack of marketability. They're suffering from a lack of fan interest and their players know it, the league knows it, and yet there seems to be, as of right now, um, a very 
contempt base to just say, fuck it, it's fine, we'll, we'll just, we'll figure it out, but we don't need to rush into anything as far as changes go. Well, one of my favorite things about spring training baseball, and spring training baseball is a tough thing, a tough thing to watch, but one of my favorite things about spring training baseball is miking up players. And it's one of the things that ESPN does, I would assume, to attract people to view games that have half of a Major League Baseball lineup and then half of a double-A lineup. And it is absolute fucking gold every time they do it. Major League Baseball needs to do this all year round. The reason I say this is because ESPN the other day had, I think it was Boston, Boston Twins. So it was, it was Red Sox Twins, and uh, they mic'd up Mookie, Brock Holt, and Jackie. And no surprise to anyone, I think, you know, Brock Holt stole the show. Um, Mookie with a, with a distant second, and then Jackie third. But the point was, is that each time, each time they were talking to these guys, it was must-see TV. They supplied soundbite after soundbite, and if you watched any of the clips, it was really funny, really enjoyable. You got to see how the guys reacted uh, to, to plays. You kind of get to be inside their heads. And you get to see the type of personality these guys have. And shocker, they're all great guys. You know, they all seem like really fun guys to, to, to listen to and to be around. And they did this last year, too. And reporters were asking, you know, is this going to be a regular thing? Could you see them doing this during a regular season game? And coaches and players are like what are you crazy it's like i don't think reporters are crazy for asking that question for as much of a pain in the ass as reporters can be i get it like they got to have a story that's a good question because what's the i love baseball i understand every pitch every inning is critical to the grand scheme of it because you know you know if you get in the playoffs by one game you know that could be the that that game in april that you're mic'd up for sure that could be the game that decides you getting in but What's the big deal if you go out there and for just at least, you know, maybe the first three innings, you've got three different players mic'd up each inning. Is that really going to kill, like, is that really going to change the outcome of the game that much? Uh, absolutely not. No, it's going to bring people in, though. If you knew that every time you tuned into Sunday Night Baseball, that three players from each team were going to be mic'd up for the first three innings on the defensive side of the ball so that you could listen in. And learn about the player and, you know, just see, like, what's going through your head during a Major League Baseball game. I think ratings would go up for sure. I think pl- the fan knowledge of what, you know, what, you know, of players would would skyrocket. There'd be more more interest in the game overall because you'd have a reason to relate to the characters involved. Now, Curran, let me, let me cut you off right there. Because you're not thinking like the MLB's chief demographic... You have to think like a 55-year-old white man who hates everything. I know, who hates personality. That's the thing. You know what about, You know what pisses me off about that is the people that have that argument? Is those old-ass motherfuckers, and I say old, but as in, people's in their, people in their 40s and 50s, they say, like, you know, players need to be less outspoken or need just, like, just play the game. The best era of baseball that they ever watched... The best era of baseball that people in their 40s and 50s and even 30s ever watched was 
steroid era baseball, which was full of guys pimping home runs with great, like, just every player looked like an individual in the steroid era, whether it was the way they had their cleats up, the way they used their tape, their swing, you could tell what that player was. They all play with a certain amount of swag that you knew who that player was when he was out in the diamond, and ratings were high during the steroid era. Granted, there were a lot of home runs, too, but there was a reason to watch the game. People felt more related to those characters. And then the you know, everybody gets busted for PEDs or whatever. Like, what? I get it. Like, that happened. And then there was this weird thing where baseball kind of regressed into, like, nobody has a personality. Everybody has to look the same. And now you've got this crop of young players. I'd say it's been developing to this point. But you've really hit your peak. Where you've got this crop of players that I think the talent level is as good as it's ever been in this league. And now you just have to let those personalities shine. And there is some weird force within the league and outside of the league that is trying to keep that keep those personalities inside of those players. And if I think if they just let them out, you know, let them do things with their cleats and let them, you know, just be different. You don't have to every not everybody has to look the same. You've got the jersey on, you got the pants on, you got the hat. Let, let guys get different. And one of the easiest ways to be different is to show people you have a personality on Sunday night baseball. I I don't know. That's my that's my rant on on micing up players and I, I don't disagree. I just think baseball is committed to being full of idiots. Uh You know who else was full of idiots? Uh The National Hockey Writers Association. Oh. Because okay. they are not going to give Ben Bishop enough votes to win the fucking Vesna Trophy this year, despite the fact that he is once again the best goaltender in the NHL. Do you want to talk about it? I do want to talk about it. So Ben Bishop trails Andrew Vasilevsky, his former backup in Tampa Bay, by .001% in save percentage, and he leads the league amongst starting goaltenders in uh, goals against average. He is once again, far and away, the best goalie in the NHL. And he's the only reason why that mediocre Stars team is in a playoff spot right now. But because he plays for the Stars, and because he's not Vasilevsky, and he doesn't have the wins that some of these other goaltenders do, he's not going to get the votes. Give my dog a bone. Fucking, let's get Bishop for Vesna trending on Twitter with all, all 15 listeners. Yeah. Shout out you guys. You you guys do it. Um I think you raise a good point. Uh Dallas is underachieved though, haven't they this year? They have. He, so he's probably getting, But it's not his fault. No, but he probably gets lumped into that though. He shouldn't. Yeah, but like that's not like that's not what it's about. You like, can't blame a goaltender for an underachieving team when he leads the league and goes against average. I understand, but like He's doing his job better than anyone else. When was the last time the media was really logical about something, though? Never. Never. So, and for those of you who are wondering, I have a deep personal connection to Ben Bishop. Former Umaine Black Bear great. I've been watching him play since I was, like, fucking ten years old. Yeah. And to see him just get disrespected and shipped from team to team, thinking they can find something better, it's been ridiculous. He is the best goalie to get this level of disrespect in an. NHL history. 
Tuka Rask gets a lot of disrespect, too. Tuka Rask only gets disrespect in the Boston media, though, because Boston media is full of idiots who like to hate really good players. There you go. No, I think you're right. I think um, whenever you look at it, too, I th- I'd say, too, that Ben Bishop's probably more valuable to his team. Not that that's going to play into effect. Oh, absolutely. The Tampa Bay Lightning without Andrew Vasilevsky would still be the best team in the East. Yes, for sure. Um, he's an incredible goaltender, but when you look at the type of impact that a guy like Bishop has had on the on the Dallas Stars, um, you can't help but maybe throw a few votes his way. Maybe all the votes his way. Plus, he has the best helmet in the league. The thing fucking glows in the dark. Well, that should do it then. That should that should win him the award as it is. It honestly should. Speaking of you, man, how's you man doing this year in hockey? They're very average. Well, much like Captain Marvel. Oh no. All right, folks. I went to see this Captain Marvel film, and I don't know if you've you've been online lately, um, but it's it's causing some controversy. People are saying, you know, that it's it's too feminist, or you know, that if you don't like it, then you're misogynist or whatever. Well, well, let me tell you something, folks. I I just like movies. I love movies, and I don't mind a good old superhero flick. I think that. Um, Marvel's flicks can be predictable at times, but the formula works. And it's usually colorful, and it's usually fun, and the acting's usually not half bad. And you know what? Even though you can sometimes see things coming, you you really can't appreciate the, the art that goes into the film. So, Captain Marvel came out technically Thursday by, like, midnight. Rotten Tomatoes had... Uh, reviews up, and it was getting like an 80% approval rating from critics, but an only only a 36% approval rating from fans. So I was like, well, that's a little interesting. So I went to see the film Friday night, and uh, I might have to side with the fans on this one. This was a an average at best film, um, not incredibly colorful. Storytelling was uh, was bland, um, not not uh, not the typical Marvel masterpiece that you're used to. Uh, it was predictable, and the I I don't know how other, any other way to put this. Brie Larson's character, Captain Marvel herself, the performance is. Ugh. it's not nothing to write home about at all. I mean, she kind of keeps the same emotional state the entire film. There are points in the film where they want you to feel really sad or really connected to the characters, and it's incredibly hard to because there is no incentive. They've not given you any reason. The performances by the by the actors really didn't leave you with a with with a want to to feel anything it was it was like ah let's just get this over with so i can see why it ties into infinity war and we can just get to the real the real show here um the only redeeming i'd say there's two redeeming points in this film it's uh first is the cat you've probably heard that by now the cat named goose um he's fucking funny and uh does some shit um and he's just adorable he's just a pretty pretty orange cat can't help but love that. And then the CGI on um, Samuel L. Jackson's character, uh, Nick Fury, was just uh, really incredible to see. Um, we are 
living in special times when you can take a how old is he now? He's gonna be like in his sixties probably. Something like that. He's, he's old, old as, as shit, and he looks thirty. Um, as he would say he's an old ass motherfucker. Yes, he's an old ass motherfucker. But what's funny about the CGI in the film is that, as great as Samuel L. Jackson looks, there are points in this movie where Captain Marvel is clearly CGI, and it is, it is not does not look anything like the they didn't put near the effort into that character as they did um jackson's character it is uh it is a hot mess maybe i wouldn't even say it's a hot mess it's just it's kind of a mess it's a c at best the redeeming the only redeeming thing is that it's a marvel film and you laugh a few times but it's it's not good. It's really just filler to get you to to Avengers Infinity to uh, what is it? Endgame. 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 Infinity War just came out, so it's got one job. It's to let you know why we should care about Captain Marvel. But the thing is, like, I, I still don't care that much. It was it was not great. To see it best, and uh, I won't be seeing it again. I, I not need not in theaters at least. It's I'm I saw it. I know why I should. You know, I know who she is now and. How she's gonna play into the probably the movie event of the year in Endgame, but it's it was a disappointment. I was I was not loving not loving it at all. But I would recommend you know don't take my word for it. Don't take anybody else's word for it. It's one of those movies that for some reason it's divisive. Um, I guess as everything is nowadays. But just go see the film. Make up your own mind. I didn't like it that much from a filmmaking point of view and from a storyline and just it just didn't seem to live up to the marvel the marvel uh, universe that we've you know come to come to expect whether you whether you're a marvel dc guy or whether you even care about superhero films i think marvel's done a good job of at least making entertaining movies um i said it myself i think they can be predictable at times but they're still fun enough to watch you know you don't feel like you wasted two hours and i kind of felt like when i left captain marvel i was like i literally was just there to see one thing and unfortunately that's like I saw it, but I'm not. I'm not happy. I was there. It wasn't that great. So I'm a very casual Marvel fan. I go to like the big movies. I haven't even seen all of the Avengers. Like I still don't entirely know who Ultron is. But I've been keeping up well enough. So if I go to Endgame, and Captain Marvel just wanders onto the screen, am I gonna be informed enough to keep up with the rest of the movie? Honestly, I'd say probably. Yeah, I mean. You're not going to know how she got her power, which is... I mean, I don't care. Right. I mean, if you just treat it like you treat most other superheroes, like, oh, like, this character can do this, like, you're probably not going to need... You really... I don't... Yeah, I think it's a good point. I don't know if you need to go see Captain Marvel. I don't know if you need to. Because, like, they kind of hint at it anyway at, at the... Well, I mean, no, they they make it blatant at the end of um, Infinity War that Captain Marvel is going to be a thing in the next movie. So you already know she's coming. So I don't know if you even need to go see um, Captain Marvel the movie. Um, you can get introduced to Brie Larson and her dull acting. But um, that's another thing too. I hope that they change that. I hope that she opens up in the the Endgame and just doesn't do what she did in, in, in Captain Marvel. Because that was boring. So, so boring. It was like, don't show any emotion, because like, we can't let them know that you're weak. It's like, it's not being weak showing emotion. Just 
be a human being. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have to go see it. I'll be damned. <laughs> well, we're watching TV right now, and this commercial for two bras or or bralettes, bralettes, ladies, is that what it's called? For twenty nine dollars, just came on. It's just slow motion pictures of just it's straight titties. It's just titties the whole time. It's something. SavageX.com, if you're wondering. Yeah. No free ads, but... I'm wondering. But, yeah. Anyway, Captain Marvel, you really don't need it. Um, Far less titties than that commercial in Captain Marvel. uh, Far less titties in Captain Marvel than that commercial. Yeah. 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 No, Captain Marvel is very much like a... Could use more titties. Would have helped. Would have helped. Would have gave me some incentive to, like, want to really stick in it, but, uh... Uh, yeah. More that, like stick it in it. Yeah. Right? Anyway. Speaking yeah. Of, Captain Marvel, not great. Speaking of sticking it in places, you want to talk a little bit about the MJ documentary? Yeah. So I don't even care about the documentary. I haven't seen the documentary, but reports have been surfacing th- for the last week that um, radio stations are taking like, they're like, oh, we're not going to play his music due to the recent allegations in the documentary. And... Why the fuck are people acting surprised? Have I we, know. We, we, knew. We, we knew. We knew. We've known. We've known about this. If you're surprised that Michael Jackson diddled little boys, you need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, go on YouTube for two minutes. Type in Michael Jackson. I'd be shocked if one of the top ten movies that didn't pop up on YouTube was like Michael Jackson's sexual uh, misconduct allegations or something. Something to do with that. I, like... If you are really acting surprised and trying to be that virtuous about, about you know, his allegations, like, yes, they're terrible. It's awful. But what the fuck? What? Like, what? What the? What, just seriously. What the fuck? Like, you don't, you're the, acting like you don't know? The guy built an amusement park in his backyard to lure in little boys. Yeah, it's it doesn't make any sense for people to to be like this and to be that surprised. It's like do your homework. You should have known already. You're not you're not being a great person. Did you need it confirmed for you? Were the were the fifteen allegations before the documentary not enough to let you know? Probably something going on with this guy. If anything, at this point, you just look like a fucking putz because you needed a fucking documentary to tell you. That this child molester was molesting children. Yeah, I don't, like, look, I, I've known, I'm not, this is almost leaves me speechless. Look, I've known about all these allegations for a while. I'm sure you have too. Yeah. And it has not affected my ability to listen to Michael Jackson. Um, if it does, like, I mean, I'm not going to judge you for it. If you're going to, if you're going to say like, look, this, this all brings... You know, this coming to light makes it harder for me to, uh, you know, appreciate this artist. I understand if it does. Um, it doesn't personally for me. But I will also say that if you're now taking a stand on it, just because there's a documentary about it, and just because it's, I'd probably say it's probably cool now to take a stand you're on it. You're a shitty person. You're, you're a douchebag. Like, you should make up your mind, and you shouldn't need a documentary to tell you how to feel. And I think it's fucking stupid that it took you an HBO series 
to make you say, oh, well, maybe this guy wasn't that good of a guy. It's like, no shit, he wasn't that good of a guy. And We've even, known this for a long fucking time. Even more obvious is R. Kelly. Like, there is a video of R. Kelly peeing on a minor. Right, like, and that's been out for a while, too. We've been, it's been, a, it's been in lyrics and songs for how many years now? For, like, what, six, seven years? We've every been... single fucking person on the planet knows that these are bad people. And you need a fucking HBO documentary to tell you that. Come on. Or lawsuits. It's look, guys. You don't. You're not looking like a hero when you say like, now that it's coming, now that it's officially coming to light, you're taking a stand. You you knew that these things were happening, and you had no problem listening to the music. And if you're the radio stations, by the way, you knew these things were happening, and you had no problem making money off the music up until. A small group of people saw a documentary and became more informed and more woke, I guess, and started yelling at you. And Ta- I, I'm going to be honest with you. If you want to play their music, fine. I think you can separate the artist from the art. I think you have to. But don't have fake outrage. Be like, oh, these are such terrible people now in 2019 and they weren't before. We knew they were. Yes. Jesus Christ, people. No, it's it's fucking stupid the fact that people think that now's you know, it I I know that twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty probably is gonna be the same way. I know outrage culture is cool, but it's just it's actually fucking not. It's fucking stupid. No. It's so fucking stupid that you're now taking a stand on people like Michael Jackson and people like R. Kelly and yeah, shitty fucking people. But you know what? We knew that already, and I had no problem listening to the remix to Ignition or Thriller. I can put the two. I can I can separate personally. I'm not gonna try and make this sound like I'm better than anyone because I'm not, and no one and no one is worse for it if they can't separate it. If you're one of those people that likes to attach personalities to artists, then that's fine. I typically try to separate them because I don't think I could. I don't think you could watch. TV or watch a movie or listen to music if you were really that attached to everything an artist said. I really feel like you'd be in between a rock and a hard place. I think you wouldn't you wouldn't do much of anything. But the Michael Jackson R Kelly thing, the outrage anyway, I think is one of the more out is one of the more outrageous things to come out of the, this last week. No. I think we've exhausted that well. I think we can come forward and say pregame beer. It's the official podcast against diddling children. Yeah, that and outrage culture. So. Don't diddle kids and don't be into outrage culture, because we ain't about it. We are against both of them. Yeah. Especially don't diddle kids, though. Really bad. Don't do that. Really don't do that. Really don't do that. But if you could also fit not doing the outrage culture thing into your day, too, that'd be great. We're looking at you, Jeremy, for both of them. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, guy. Fuck, that was exhausting. That was exhausting. That's as bad as political as we want to get. Yeah. You know you know what's going to make us feel a lot better? Do you uh, want to make fun of LeBron for a little bit? <laughs> you know I do. Alright, so LeBron recently passed MJ on the all-time scoring list in the NBA. I feel like that happened a long time ago, but it's It fun. did, it did. But it's been, it's been since we recorded the last pod. But he passed MJ to move into fourth all-time. He's not number one. So he passed MJ and needed to be taken out of the game to go cry. Fucking A, LeBron. 
You say you're not chasing the ghost of MJ, but when you pass him, you need to go cry on the bench. God fucking damn it. Something MJ would never do. You say you're not chasing the ghost of MJ, but you feel the need to make Space Jam too. God fucking damn it, LeBron. Something MJ would never do. No, it's a joke. He, LeBron, uh, his first year in LA has not gone as planned. It, I think one of the it's, common it's so bad. I think one of the common themes on this podcast is uh, fuck the NBA, and uh, it's behavior like this that is a big reason why the the typical reaction to NBA news for us is fuck the NBA. Um, NBA, this is your guy. This is your king, and he's and he's crying over someone that he says he's not he's not concerned with. Uh, yeah, LeBron's LeBron's first season in LA has been a disaster. Been a disaster. They're putting him on a minutes limit now, and he's not playing the second half of back to backs, which I think is hilarious. Considering I thought he activated playoff LeBron a little while ago, and it does not seem to have gone well. Um, they have a big matchup with the Celtics as of tonight. Hopefully that goes well. Two nights ago, if you're listening to this. Yeah. So, you're listening so. to this after a stellar Celtics victory and or. Tragic defeat. Tragic, unacceptable defeat at the hands of the lowly Los Angeles Lakers. Um, But, yeah, LeBron's being a cunt. Um, And uh, he's, he's, he's... It's honestly fucking hilarious. I've enjoyed this, this debacle. I've enjoyed watching it from afar. The only bad thing about it is that whenever you turn on sports media... Um, that isn't, I don't know, anything that you can find on the internet or just a, a smaller, a smaller outlet. And anytime you turn on like cable news, cable sports news media, it's about the Lakers. And I think it's preposterous that a 10 seed gets as much attention as they do because they're not in it anymore. I think they're like five or six games out. They've got to pass like three teams. So. Yeah, it's over, man. I mean, it's, you're not getting in. I'm sorry. And it's time to stop talking about them like they are. They're not, they're, it's not that interesting. And even if they were, who cares about an eight seed going up against Golden State? Yeah, they're going to lose anyway. Like, God damn it. Like, you, LeBron is an interesting story, I guess. Not for me. Does not move my noodle. No, I don't, it's, in which, I guess I don't blame you, but, yeah, it's, it's time to, for people to stop talking about the Lakers. They're not an issue anymore, and it's, I mean, I think this year's told you more about LeBron than it has anything else. So, the guy's a loser. You know who else is kind of a loser? Looving loser? Looving loser. David Irving, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, yeah, the cat that uh, was like, yo, I quit football because he was like, I got to smoke some weed. In the immortal words of Stephen A. Smith, stay off the weed! Honestly, honestly, kind of a G way to quit, though. Oh. If I was going to quit, like, I, besides doing, like, a line of cocaine, like, off a stripper's booty hole on Instagram Live, that's probably that's probably second on my list. Just, like, rip, you know, sparking up and being like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm out, son. Like, I'd rather smoke weed than play football. So I'm very, very conflicted here. Because I'm pro-legalization... But I'm very anti-adult men who make their entire personality weed. There you go. You're going to start some fights with that one. Oh, yeah. Looking at you, college dropout, who says weed cures literally every disease on the planet. It doesn't. However, 
would it have health benefits for NFL players? Hell yeah. Absolutely. Hell yeah, especially the type of trauma to the head they take. The NFL absolutely should not be suspending people for smoking weed. But they are. And to be honest with you, if I'm an NFL player, I'm not giving up millions of dollars a year to smoke a little ganja every once in a while. Don't tell that to Josh Gordon, son. Like, I don't... I know, it's perplexing. It's perplexing when a player... when a, when an, I mean, when anyone that's in a position to earn millions of dollars, even hundreds of thousands of dollars, anyone who's willing to... in a position to have a an incredible lifestyle, an incredible uh, paycheck every week, decides that um, their vices are worth more to them than than being able to, to lock in a million a year, or two million a year, or ten million a year, or twenty million a year. It's it's really incredible when they're just like, fuck it, I don't care anymore. I don't know how much money this cat's made already, but probably not enough for him to just be like, I'd rather, you know, I'm going to quit the NFL by showing you that I'm going to fail this drug test. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. And it's really immature, too. I don't know... I don't know anybody else who's going to like want to hire that guy afterwards. Like, I don't think ESPN's going to want to lock their name onto that, or Fox, or... I can't think of anyone who's going to say, Hey, David Irving, how about you come work for us? He's not He's not doing himself any favors by no. retiring now. He way. is done in sports. He's a weed guy now. Yeah, he's done in media. He's not going to make public appearances. No one's going to want him around to give speeches. I mean, it's a it's a weird move. And I, I don't... I don't support it. But it's fucking funny though. It it's it was something to do. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well you wanna finish up with a few quick hits here? Uh I guess so. I don't mind. I kinda wanna go go get drunk though, but Buddy, we're working on it. Uh so the Jags cut five players off their roster getting ready for free agency, including Defensive tackle Malik Jackson and running back Carlos Hyde expect us to be talking a lot about them on our next show when we recap the NFL free agency. Um, And the Boston Bruins continue to sweep through the NHL. Yeah, we gotta get that game on too. Uh, They're currently on an 18-game point streak. The last team to have a 19-game point streak was the Chicago Blackhawks, the last time they won the Cup. Ooh! However, standing in their way is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, that's the problem. little comparison for you. Tampa Bay scores 29% of the time on their power play, which is absurd. Boston is actually second at 26.7%. Also pretty absurd. Also pretty absurd. Uh, Boston has a slightly better penalty kill at 85.6% compared to 81.2%. All in all, I consider special teams a wash. However, Tampa Bay scores 3.78 goals a game. Yeah, video game numbers. Video game numbers here, folks. Boston scoring 2.99, which is also incredibly good. Pretty good. Like, it's, it's, Boston's got talent. Uh, Tampa Bay is giving up 2.62 goals a game, which is pretty good. The Bruins are giving up only 2.45, which is the second best mark in the NHL right now. Behind the Islanders. Behind the Islanders. So expect for that series, if we get it, to be incredible. Don't necessarily put all your money on Boston here. No, I don't think they're beating Tampa Bay, but I think it's... 
I think it's pretty crazy to see the two the two seasons these teams are having. And when you look at the season Boston's having, it's like they're having a damn good season. They're the second best team in the NHL. But they and they're are 15 points behind Tampa Bay. That's oh. how good Tampa Bay is this year. Um, and honestly, you know what? As long as you get to – if you get a Boston-Tampa Bay series, if that thing goes – Goes six or seven. I mean, I think I don't think you can be bad at that. So the problem is, it's not guaranteed because the Leafs are also fucking incredible. Yeah, no, the uh, that division is fucking insane. So at some point soon, we might have a debate about the NHL current playoff format. Uh, I think we can save that for another night, though. Yeah. What you mean? So like, there would be the Leafs one, Boston two, or no? It'd be the it'd be Tampa Bay one, Tampa Boston Bay one, two, Boston and the Leafs two. three. And going through the Atlantic is going to be the hardest road to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. This yeah, year. it certainly feels like that. It certainly feels like whoever comes out of that bracket is going to win the uh, win the cup. But that is definitely for another. That's a whole other podcast in itself, right there. But all right, you uh, you got anything else for the listeners? Um, not really. Just uh, we're gonna keep getting better again. I think I said that last time, but it's true. We're trying to get better. We're trying to. We're going to try to improve our audio here pretty soon. It's really a work in progress, so just keep sticking with us. And we appreciate the support. We appreciate the retweets and the and the listens. We really do. We uh, can use all the help we can get because it's, uh, we're working from the ground up here, folks. Taking it uh, one shovel at a time. We're trying to build this house. So, uh, If you have anything you want us to talk about in our next episode, just DM us uh, at either Todd Serbent or Curran Quinlan on or, Twitter. We're going to show up. Or, or pregame beer. Follow it at the old pregame beer account. At pregame beer. Any and all of those will work. Please follow us. Uh, retweet us. Let your friends know if you like it. Uh, we'll be coming at you again later this week with a full NFL free agency recap along with any other breaking news that happens. Yep. And if you guys want to find some fun stuff online to go spend your money on, go to at uh, go to the at WTP Sports Twitter page and go to WTPSports.com and uh, go buy some merch there. Go read some fun articles and go listen to some podcasts that are way better than ours. You get your friends to listen and maybe we can get some uh, pregame beer merch up there. It'd be fun. Maybe, yep. We have to convince our boss that we're worth the time. Because so, right now he probably just wants to kick us to the curb, but it's fine. So uh, thanks again for listening to the pregame beer podcast. Uh, We'll see you later this week. Uh, Stay thirsty, my friends.